Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let's play ball. Yes, indeed, let's play ball. Heck of an idea. Let's do it up here at Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where the four seed on this side of the bracket, the 1992 Jays, have a date with the upstart 1998 San Diego Padres, a team that got swept by the Yankees in real life 22 years ago. But in this our land of make-believe, they upset the 88 Dodgers for this chance up north of the border tonight. Josh Lewin with you. The rooftop is open on a very pretty evening for baseball on the artificial carpet. A view of the CN Tower looms out past left field. Dave Winfield and Roberto Alomar against the franchise that used to sign their paychecks. We'll get into those first-time World Series champion Blue Jays in a bit, but first we got to start scouting out the road team. We always let the road team go first here in the scouting report. A 98-win outfit managed by Bruce Bochy, but it's a team with a hometown hero, first and foremost. The former San Diego State Aztec, Tony Gwynn. And Bob Costas is our pregame analyst tonight. He will help us with the reminisce. Tony Gwynn, lifetime batting average, 338. Tony Gwynn's lifetime batting average is seven points higher than Stan Musial's and only six points less than Ted Williams. Tony Gwynn is just one of the most likable players, one of the most admirable players in baseball history. Got to two World Series 14 years apart, 84 as a young player, and then 98. And although uh, the Padres were swept by that very, very powerful Yankee team, he did hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. And as a student of the game, he said it was important to him to play at Yankee Stadium, and he excelled. Thank you, Bob. Oh, Tony Gwynn. We could do a whole podcast on Mr. Padre, but maybe we'll We'll just do 60 seconds here off the top anyway. The Tony Gwynn, a little punchy, a little nerdy when you get down to it, but what an athlete and what a teammate. He's got the top seven single batting averages in Padres history. Mark Loretta slides in there with his 335 in 2004, but other than that, the top 10 even now is all Tony Gwynn year by year. Career batting average of 338, as Bob recalled. And we'll put it this way, had Tony Gwynn got another zero for 1,182, he still would have had a career batting average above 300. Or, put it this way, Pete Rose could come back and play, go 750 for his next 750. 
and still not have a career batting average as high as Tony Gwynn's. Or, or uh, last year, 2019, Tim Anderson led all of baseball with a batting average of 335. Give you the last 162 games of Gwynn's career, 40-ish Tony Gwynn. He hit 343. And this is a guy who faced Greg Maddox 107 times without ever striking out. No one else has ever faced Maddox more than 41 times without striking out. And one more down the rabbit hole here since you've come this far with me. Tony Gwynn faced 18 Hall of Famers in his career, including Maddox. 541 at-bats. His batting average against those Hall of Famers, 331 with just 26 strikeouts and the 541 at-bats. Nine of those strikeouts came against Nolan Ryan. And he still hit 303 lifetime against the Express despite the strikeouts. I mean, what? So, uh, yeah, the 98 Padres very much about Gwynn and getting his chance to play at Yankee Stadium in the World Series that year, as he'd always dreamed. He would need help, though, because it can't just be one guy. And this was a season in which actually Tony Gwynn battled heel problems and was down a tick, though he did manage 16 home runs, second highest total of his career. Keep in mind the 98 season, very important for the Padres franchise. No new ballpark, no San Diego Padres, said their owner John Moores. Sterling Hitchcock was one of three dependable starters the Padres already had, but they needed an ace. Enter the Florida Marlins, because after they had won the 97 World Series, their ownership embarked on this scorched earth fire sale, made the Padres dismantling of 1993 look like nothing. Kevin Brown, the tough-minded, no-nonsense right-hander goes on the market. And, uh, you know, he was expensive, so that's part of why they wanted to trade him. He was going to be a free agent coming up at the end of 98. So time for the Marlins to say goodbye. Padres happy to say hello. They had to get rid of Derek Lee as part of that deal. But certainly Kevin Brown's arrival was a big part of why 98 went as well as it did. Greg Vaughn emerging, that was key. He put up the greatest single-season power numbers in Padre history. 50 home runs, matter of fact. And clearly the, the Padres' biggest improvement in 98, it wasn't just Vaughn, it was the overall pitching. Dave Stewart, now the pitching coach, and there was some tough love from him sometimes. Sterling Hitchcock can tell you all about that. But the 97 Padres had a, a franchise worst ERA of 499. In 98, it was 363. So there you go. Regular season, the Padres started pretty slowly. Caminiti, Gwynn, Kilby Overis all dinged up. But they led most of the year and just exploded midseason. Went on a 54-28 and 28 run from June through August. Had an 11-game winning streak in the mix there. Trevor Hoffman finished up saving 53 of 54 opportunities. Padres were 54-27 and 27 at home. So much went right. And we'll fast forward a bit here, but suffice to say it was a very successful postseason for a while as well. Pods beat the Astros in the NLDS, two-run triple by pinch hitter extraordinaire John Vanderwall in Game 4. That was a put-away punch. That and a home run by Wally Joyner. And a crowd of 64,898 watched the Padres lock up a date in the NLCS with the Braves. And behind Jim Lairitz's power and Sterling Hitchcock's arm, a four games to two triumph that put him indeed in the World Series, only to get swept by the powerhouse Yankees. Although, had home plate umpire Richie Garcia not missed Mark Langston's pitch right before Tino Martinez Grand Slam in game one, who knows what would have happened. 
elsewhere in baseball in 98. With all due respect to the Padres and Vaughn hitting 50 home runs, it was all about Sosa and McGuire. Back and forth they went, both eclipsing the Roger Maris 61 home run record. Sosa ended up with 66, McGuire ended up with 70. This was also the season the Diamondbacks and Devil Rays started playing ball. The Marlins, who had won the World Series year before, their fire sale got them 54 and 108 for the 98 season. MVPs, it was Sosa in the National League, Juan Gonzalez of the Rangers in the AL, Roger Clemens of the Blue Jays, Tom Glavin of the Braves, the Cy Young Award winners, Rookies of the Year, Kerry Wood for the Cubs, he had the 20 strikeout game against the Astros, Ben Grieve of the Oakland A's in the American League, Managers of the Year, Joe Torre, an easy pick for the Yankees, Larry Durker got it in the National League for the Astros. We mentioned those Astros taken down by Bruce Bochy's guys in the NLDS. Let us take a peek at Bochy's lineup here for tonight's game in Toronto. Kilvio Veris leads it off. He's at second base. Wally Joyner at first. Then it's Vaughn in left. Ken Kimenetti was the MVP in 96. Down year in 98, but he's a cleanup man at third base. Tony Gwynn is in right. Chris Gomez at short. Steve Finley, the center fielder. Carlos Hernandez, a former Dodger. He's the catcher. Greg Myers will DH in this one. Why not? Let's let Greg Myers, one-time Blue Jay, throw himself in there as a, a DH in this one. Kevin Brown on the mound. We'll get to him in the short order, but he's up against those 92 Toronto Blue Jays. Went 96 and 66, won the ALCS over the A's, 4-2. The World Series over the Braves, 4-2. And let's remember the Jays had to fight past the Brewers to win their division in 92. Milwaukee, led by manager Phil Garner, won 22 of 29 down the stretch. Brewers trailed the Blue Jays by two games on the final weekend. They needed the Jays to get swept by Detroit. Dirty little secret, the, the Tigers were not going to sweep. The Blue Jays made it through the entire season without ever being swept in a series, not once. So sure enough, on October the 3rd, the Friday, Juan Guzman, a one-hitter through eight, Dwayne Ward picks up the save. The Jays win. They clinch the AL East. So, on to the division series against Oakland, a rematch of the 89 ALCS that Oakland had won behind Ricky Henderson. This time it was Robbie Alomar named MVP of the series. 11 for 26. He had a, a double, a couple of home runs. Game four was the big game in this ALCS. It was two games to one for Toronto heading in. It was Jack Morris against Bob Welch. Second inning, John Olerud tags Welch for a home run. Jays take the lead. A's come back with a five-run third. They get another in the sixth inning. 6-1 Six ball game. In the top of the eighth, La Russa pulls Welch, who had been cruising, and the bullpen would give it up. Uh, Joe Carter, Olerud, Maldonado with piggy hits, cuts the lead to 6-4. to four. Top of the ninth, they turn it to Eck to shut down the Jays. Now, Eckersley had given up two of Toronto's three runs in the previous innings. But La Russa staying with his best closer. It did not work out. The game ends up being forced into extra innings. Jays have a chance to win it. In the 11th inning is when Toronto comes through. Derek Bell walks, moves to third on a Candy Maldonado single. Sack fly by Pat Borders. Makes it 7-6. Tom Henke shuts the door. And it's a three games to one lead for Toronto. Oakland does bounce back to take game five, but on to Toronto for game six. Guzman pitched great. Home runs from Carter and Maldonado, a decisive 9-2 win. And on to the World Series. The first ever opportunity to win one for a Canadian team. They matched up against the Braves, who had just been there the year before against a team playing in a dome, that the Minnesota Twins. Atlanta took game one. 
And in game two, the Jays were into the ninth inning down by a run. They turned to their bench, which a team had nicknamed the Trenches, and then the Trenches got it done. Derek Bell, pinch hitting, drew a walk. Reserve infielder Ed Sprague drilled the Jeff Reardon uh, pitch for a two-run home run to left. The Jays actually took the lead. And the legendary voice of the Blue Jays, Tom Cheek, actually called the shot. He said, watch Sprague hit a homer here. And sure enough, that's what happened. Atlanta tried to rally in the ninth, winning run on base. Terry Pendleton, an LMVP candidate, he had led the majors with uh, a 391 batting average with runners in scoring position two out, but this time he popped out to Kelly Gruber. That sealed the win for Toronto. Gruber then angered Braves fans and players. He did a mock tomahawk chop coming off the field. This was also the game where the U.S. color guard in Atlanta mistakenly flew the Canadian flag upside down during the national anthem. Whoops. And that made for a fired-up nation as Game 3 was in Toronto. Candy Maldonado socked a reared and curveball on the left for the walk-off hit, bottom of the ninth. Jays would win Game 4 as well, so again they go up three games to one, just like in the ALCS. Jimmy Key outdueling Tom Glavin in that game, but uh, no celebration on home soil. Game 5 in Toronto won convincingly by Atlanta. The Jays would instead get it done two nights later, Saturday night at Fulton County Stadium. Otis Nixon had tied it off Tom Henke in the bottom of the ninth. People forget that sometimes. But in the 11th, Charlie Liebrand trying to work out of a bases loaded jam. Dave Winfield, at 41 years old, worked into a full count and then lined one to left, got two runs in. One run back in the bottom of the inning, but a 4-3 final. Charlie Liebrand, uh, not good in World Series, back-to-back -back years with two different teams. But uh, anyway, when the Braves fell a run short of tying it in the bottom of the 11th, First world championship for Toronto since the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup in 1967. How about some pop culture of 1992? Just to get you in the mood now, some key quotes from 1992. You can't handle the truth, said Jack Nicholson and a few good men. There's no crying in baseball, said Tom Hanks in a league of their own. I didn't inhale, said candidate for President Bill Clinton. Made from the best stuff on earth, said the guy on the Snapple ad. And maybe most poignantly, can we all just get along, is what police brutality victim Rodney King said to help try to slow the, the rioting taking place in his name. In happier times, we Americans watched Joe Pesci and Marisa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. We cringed when Sinead O'Connor tore up that picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. And we all like to yell, swing, all summer long, thanks to the, the first of the Austin Powers movies, starring a Toronto native, Mike Myers. Okay. So here's the north of the border lineup, submitted by Cito Gaston. Leading off is Robbie Alomar at second base. John Holroot at first, Winfield's the DH. Joe Carter, another former Padre, is in right field. Candy Maldonado in left field. Devon White in center. Pat Borders, the catcher. Kelly Gruber's at third. Oh Manny God. Lee is the light-hitting shortstop, batting at number nine. Juan Guzman on the mound. And for years, when you thought of Toronto pitching, you thought, I'm sure, of Dave Steve. And in fact, throughout the 80s, the leaders in pitching war for that decade, I'll count you down, 5-4-3-2-1. It was Fernando Valenzuela coming in at number five. The aforementioned Bob Welch at number four. Roger Clemens was third, where Flylevin second. And by far, Dave Steve number one. Flylevin, his war was 38 that decade. Steve's was 48, but was never a Cy Young kind of guy. What's interesting is that Steve's current Toronto teammate here this season in 92, Jack Morris, he doesn't make that top five. 
even though everybody said it was because he dominated the 1980s, that's why he got to the Hall of Fame, had more wins than anybody that decade, but he had all kinds of run support. Dave Steve won 12 games when giving up four runs or more in the 80s. Morris had 31 of those. So, you know, with, with better run support, Steve might have won three Cy Young Awards. You look at 1982, that was some bad voting. Pete Vukovic won it. 18-6, 3.34 ERA for Milwaukee. Steve, 17, and yeah, 14, people looked at the losses, had the better ERA, 3.25. 19 complete games for Steve and five shutouts. Vukovic didn't come close to that. It was nine complete games and one shutout. Anyway, it's about the 25-year-old fireballer Guzman tonight, wearing number 66 on his back, 16-5 regular season, 2.64 ERA, 165 strikeouts to lead the team. Steve, by the way, only 45 strikeouts in 97 innings in 92. If you wanted to see the K in OK Blue Jays, it was Guzman, or maybe the now 37-year-old Jack Morris. Did have a 21-6 season. Pat Hankins on this team now as well, but he's still in the bullpen developing at the age of 23. You've got Hanky and Dwayne Ward anchoring that bullpen. David Wells out there as a swingman. David Cohn, you may recall, was on this team at the end. He made seven solid starts after being traded in from the Mets in late August. He then would go off as a free agent, signing in his hometown of Kansas City. But uh, no Cohn, no Morris, no Steve in this one. It's Guzman tonight. And he's ready to face the Padre leadoff man, Kilvio Veras, the man who became the second baseman a few years after the Padres said goodbye to Robbie Alomar, who was, of course, in this game as well. The Padres at second base post Alomar. They were, well, Bip Roberts for a year, then a forgettable stew of Kurt Stilwell, an aging Tim Tuffle, Jeff Gardner, Jody Reed. Veras gives him that certified blue check mark now, an actual big league caliber second baseman. Something they had even before Alomar with guys like Tim Flannery and Alan Wiggins. And they'll have it later, too, with Mark Loretta and, I don't know, Jed Jerko for a bit. But Veras might be the best all-around second baseman they'll run out there besides Alomar. This year, a 267 hitter playing solid defense, battling through some shoulder issues. And the first pitch of the night, it's up too high, ball one. 70 degrees of game time, that is 20 Celsius. Metric system is a thing up here. The markings on those blue outfield walls as a reminder. 100 meters down the left field line. The same to the right field line. That's 328 feet. It is 400 to center. As the pitch sails outside, another fastball. 2-0 to the switch hitting Veris. Batting left-handed. And I guess we should talk about the uniforms here. It's easy with the Blue Jays. They're bright home whites with a stylized blue trim, blue hats. You never know year to year what the Padres are all about. They were the brown and gold in the 60s and 70s. Early 80s, it was the brown, yellow, and orange. Later in the 80s, brown and orange pinstripes. Here in the 90s, blue and orange. 2000s, it'll be blue and white. I'll throw some sand in there. Pitch is fouled back to the screen. It's two and one. But these are the blue and orange Padres for now. And defensively, for Toronto... John Olerud at first. He's fantastic over there. Same for Alomar at second. Manuel Lee at short. Kelly Gruber at third. Maldonado in left. White in center. Joe Carter is in right. Next delivery coming. Swinging a high fly ball that's in the air to center. Devon White back a step. Over a step towards left. He makes the catch. One away. 
No score just underway. Here's Wally World. Here's Wally Joyner. 298 hitter this year. A dozen home runs, 80 runs batted in. And he gives the Padres at least a little bit of left-handed power. You know, their inaugural season, it took them until June 12th for the Padres to get a home run from a left-hand batter. Van Kelly off Bill Singer at Dodger Stadium. They went all of April, May, and half of June without a home run from a lefty. Pitch here is high. It's 1-0. Tall right-hander Juan Guzman for Toronto on the mound. And the pitchers have said for years this mound might be the best in baseball. Everybody agrees Candlestick Park is the worst. Because of the wind, the clay will get all dry by the middle of the game out there. And the pitchers say it's like standing on baby powder. Next delivery, there's the strike. It's one and one here at Sky Dome tonight. A place that cost $375 million to build, and that's in $1990. 31 stories high, and to put that in perspective, that is 13 stories higher than the Astrodome. Retractable roof, weighing 11,000 tons. Here's a pitch from Guzman. Swing and a roller towards second base, getting along to Alomar. He's right there, planting and firing to get him. Two down. And that'll bring up the masher, Greg Vaughn. 272 batting average, 50 home runs this year, 119 runs batted in. He can take aim at that 500 level of Sky Dome, like McGuire and Conseco do when they come in here with the A's. Padres are not exactly Bash brothers. But Vaughn can certainly pump him out here in 1998. Check swing here. It's a foul up near first. Ball skipping by first base coach Davey Lopes. It's 0-1. This stadium officially opened June 3rd of 89. They hosted a grand opening show. Broadcast on CBC television, hosted by Brian Williams. 50,000 in attendance with no game going on. But Alan Thick showed up, Andrea Martin of SCTV, the rock band Glass Tiger. <laughs> As the pitch is high, it's one and one. The NBA Raptors played here for a couple of years while their arena was getting built. The CFL, Toronto Argonauts are a staple here, those retired numbers hanging in the Raptors. Right now, the Argos star is Michael Pinball Clemens, pretty much the CFL's answer to Darren Sproles. Sproles, a guy San Diegans might remember fondly. Pitch comes to Vaughn. He rakes it down the left field line. That is fair. Rattles into the corner. Greg Vaughn on his way to second base. He'll make it there easily as Maldonado tosses it back in. Two-out double for Greg Vaughn. And that'll bring up another power threat. Here is Ken Caminiti. Switch hitter who will bat left. 35 years old now. And on a bit of a downward arc. Though he did hit 29 home runs this year. 82 runs batted in. We were talking a bit before about the cast of characters the Padres have run out there at second base in their history. History that harkens back to 1969. No question Caminiti is the best third baseman in the history of this organization. I'll say it that way because we're in Canada. Pitches in the dirt, ball one. Now the hometown third baseman, Greg Nettles, was solid for a few years in the mid-80s when they brought him in. 
Well, we Salazar just okay before that. Gary Sheffield played some third base for him before moving to the outfield. They had power bats who didn't hit for average, like Scott Coolbaugh, Mike Pagliarulo, even Phil Nevin. Later, Sean Burroughs, who hit for average but not power. We'll have guys like Kevin Kuzminoff, Chase Headley, but of the 26 players who have played third base for San Diego, Caminiti is the finest. Here's the pitch. Swing and a line drive towards center, hangs in the air. Devon White has got it. And that retires his side. Now Devon White had it played just right. No runs, one hit, no errors, one left. Bottom of the first coming up, the 98 Padres having failed to score. Let's keep it here in 1998. Hi, Tom Bodette for Motel 6. When a deer sees headlights, he just stands there in the middle of the road. You know why? Because he's stupid. When people see the light, they stop throwing away money and go to Motel 6. You know why? Because they're smart. Be smart. Save some dough. I'm sorry. Save a buck. Oops. Anyway, call 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 and we'll leave the light on for you. No score, Kevin Brown on the mound. A 33-year-old right-hander with a killer two-seam fastball. 18-7 and seven for the Padres in 1998. 2.38 ERA, along with Andy Ashby, Joey Hamilton, and Sterling Hitchcock and Mark Langston. Pretty good rotation, as it turned out. Brown, the Georgia Tech product, certainly as advertised when he was acquired for this 98 season. 257 strikeouts in 257 innings in his only Padres season. And some big-time work in the postseason, too. Game one of the NLDS, 16 strikeouts in Houston to beat Randy Johnson. A lot of high four-seamers instead of those usual sinking two-seamers. And again for San Diego in 98, two weeks after the World Series, San Diegans will have to vote yes or no to build Petco Park. They voted yes, and 17 lawsuits, and six years later, it opened. The house that Kevin Brown built. Tonight up in Canada, Brown's going to begin by facing future Orioles teammate Roberto Alomar, himself a former Padre. Switch hitter batting 310 this year. Eight home runs, but 76 runs batted in. He stole 49 bases, and the eyeballs a strike at the knees, a fastball, nothing in one. Alomar got to his first All-Star game in 1990 as a Padre, but he'd be packaged with Joe Carter to the Blue Jays that offseason in exchange for Tony Fernandez and the crime dog, Fred McGriff. You know, the Padres have traded away, at least so far, six future Hall of Famers, Ozzie Smith, Alomar, Goose Gossage, Raleigh Fingers, Gaylord Perry, Ricky Henderson, Trevor Hoffman, and Dave Winfield left as free agents as the pitch is too high this time, one and one. Robbie Alomar reached a different level beginning in 1991, and he would be named to the AL All-Star team the next 11 years in a row. So when he started in San Diego in 90, he just continued, and then some in Toronto. Toronto and San Diego are not neighbors. In fact, it's a 2,200-mile drive between the two cities, but they'll always be linked by that major trade. Pitch from Brown outside, 2-1. and one. Brown working with Carlos Hernandez. Wally Joyner's at first, Veras at second. Chris Gomez is shortstop. Caminiti at third. He's in a little bit. Tony Gwynn out there in right field. Steve Finley in center. Greg Vaughn in left. Next pitch poured in for a strike, two and two. To the native Puerto Rican, Roberto Alomar. 
Well, the Padres discovered and developed in a stretch of four years in the 80s some really good Puerto Rican players. You've got Benito Santiago, both the Alomars, and Carlos Baerga. Here's a pitch now. It is ripped down the right field line. Fair ball. Roberto Alomar on his way past first. Will go to second. Gun in the engine as Tony Gwynn gets it back in. It is a double here to start the bottom of the first inning for Roberto Alomar. He went down to get that, too. Good-looking sinker to the inside part of the plate, and Alomar just turned on it. Here's an even younger player than Alomar. Here's the 23-year-old John Olerud up there wearing the number nine. Left-hand batting first baseman. And very much like Wally Joyner on the other side tonight. High average, good RBI total, not a lot of home runs. Hot shot prospect, though. Another jackpot for the Blue Jays scouts. Toronto very willing to gamble in the free agent draft. Olerud, Sean Green, Alex Gonzalez were all supposed to be unsignable when they were drafted. Pitch on the way, it's a strike, nothing in one. The Jays have taken shots at basketball stars like Scott Burrell, Danny Ainge, football stars like Jay Schrader, who was a third round pick in 1979. They drafted Rodney Pete, Kerry Collins. That's the handiwork of the GM, Pat Gillick. A man who once had the nickname C-Gap Wally. That is yellow pages backwards. Because the word was that Pat Gillick could literally memorize a phone book both ways, frontwards and backwards. Just an amazing memory. Alomar the lead from second. And the pitch is chopped on the ground to second base on the move of the runner over. Varis makes the toss to first. So there's one down and a nice chance here for Dave Winfield. And the infield, not the Winfield, but the infield, comes in halfway against his future Hall of Famer. Winfield turned 41 this year. He is the DH. He had 290, 26 homers, 108 runs batted in, turning 41. And Winfield, of course, originally Padres property. And the first player to enter the Hall of Fame as a Padre. One-time number one pick out of the University of Minnesota in 1974. Pitch to him. That carves up the outside corner. Strike one. Now Dave Winfield, though, he's got the success he's always looked for this year. Even when his teams were not successful, I mean, you look at 79. 118 runs batted in. The Padres only scored 603 times that year. Winfield had 118 runs batted in. He was third in the MVP voting. And he won the first of seven Gold Glove Awards in right field, too. Taking in the dirt, nice stop. It's one and one. That keeps Alomar anchored to the bag at second. No score. But the Blue Jays with a bit of a threat here. Runner at second base, one out. Dave Winfield from San Diego moved on to the Yankees. Signed a huge contract, a 10-year deal. Pitch is swung on a missed. It's one and two. The sinker from Kevin Brown. Winfield never played an inning of minor league ball. First big league hit a sharp grounder off the glove of Astros third baseman Doug Rader, and he beat the throw with a head first slide. You know, it's funny, in 74 when he was drafted, the Padres already had a stacked outfield. They had McCovey, Colbert, Bobby Tolan, John Grubb, Matty Alou, and a guy named Cito Gaston. Just happens to be managing the Blue Jays tonight. 
So anyway, in spring training, Winfield actually played some shortstop, of all things, just trying to figure out what to do with him. Never did go to the minor leagues. Made the team, led the team with uh, 75 runs batted in, breaking in right away. So he takes high, it's two and two. That might have been the largest outfield ever assembled. Nate Colbert, 220 pounds in left. Winfield, 225 in center. Gaston, 210 in right. Dave Winfield drafted by four different leagues. Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, and ABA. Here's the pitch. Hit hard on the ground to short. Alomar's got a hold. Chris Gomez stares him back. The throw to first in time, two down. So the Winfield hit it hard. That's one of those worm-burning ground balls that Kevin Brown will get you to hit with that sinker. The inning will be left to Joe Carter, runner at third, two out now. So here's a third former Padre among the first four batters now for Toronto. Carter was in San Diego for just one of his 17 major league seasons. Toronto and then the Orioles and Giants at the end of playing for the, the two orange and black teams at the age of 38 before hanging it up just shy of 400 home runs, 396. Pitch on the way, that's low, ball one. Joe Carter, a Blue Jay, 1991 through 97. And as the end of the 92 World Series was on approach for the Jays in that 11th inning in Atlanta after midnight, Carter, in from first base, had just said to pitcher Mike Timlin, you got to watch out for the bunt here from Otis Nixon, so be careful. And sure enough, Nixon did lay down a bunt. And having listened to Joe Carter's counsel, Timlin was able to field the ball quickly and throw to first to win a World Series. Next pitch low, again, it's 2-0. You know, in that ensuing celebration after Joe Carter got that ball at first base, Mike Timlin stopped Carter in mid-celebration, asked for the ball. Said, give me that ball, that's my save. That's my World Series save. And Carter kind of slammed the ball into Timlin's mitt, but then hugged him anyway. The next year, Joe Carter did manage to keep the ball from the last at bat of the World Series. He would be the final batter, winning the series with that famous home run against Mitch Williams. Pitch on the way, it's outside in the count one and two. Runner at third is Alomar. No score here in the first inning. The 98 Padres and the 92 Blue Jays. A second round throwback league battle. Kicking the pitch from Brown. Swing and a miss, strike three. Side retired, polished him off with that sinker. At the end of one, there is no score between the 98 Padres and the 92 Jays. And you know what? It's 1992, it's all Michael Jordan. So let's do this thing. Here's a little something Michael Jordan was a part of. Our friends at Gatorade. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be.
Okay, so as for something you can get into right now here in 2020, how about our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the best, most perfectly blended coffee wherever you go. Look for it, especially when you're in L.A. and San Francisco. They've been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from around the world since 1963. Responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf is an experience like no other, and we appreciate their support. We appreciate Dave Winfield stopping down, talking about his experience with those Blue Jays. It finally got right for Dave Winfield, finally got that World Series done. We talked to Dave about that. I'll tell you, it, it turned out to pretty much be my favorite year in baseball, even though uh, people might say Toronto, another country. I played many years, was in great shape, had good teammates, but you really need an entire team. And we had a good, solid team across the board. We had a Joe Carter, we had John Olerud, we had Robbie Alomar, we had Devon White, we had Pitchin, Jack Morris, we had Jimmy Key, we had closers, Tom Henke. We had, and guys that you never really heard of, but it made a team. And we had fun together. We knew we were, when we stepped on the field, first of the season, and you see the teams stand on the baselines, we knew we were better than everyone else. We didn't say it, but we knew it. And all we had to do was stay healthy and play together. And we did that and had fun doing it. And you know what's di what was great about that year is that when we won in Toronto, it was you're not winning just for a city or a state, but a whole country. I don't need a passport to go back to Canada. Man. <laughs> Come on up, brother. We got you. So, so um, I mean, that is what it was memorable. We just had a lot of fun together. We dressed well. There were no clicks on the team. Everybody supported one another. And you went hard. Yeah. And everybody could hold their own. And we just, we had a ball. Well, thanks so much, Dave Winfield. At 40, turning 41, he drove in 108 runs as a DH, the regular DH for the Blue Jays. He was actually fifth in MVP voting. And game six of the World Series against the Braves had a huge hit, we talked about that. After his one year with the Jays, it was back to his hometown twins, 93 and 94, that's where he got his 3,000th hit. Finally finished up with the Indians, you might remember, in 1995, a 12-time All-Star. Went to the Hall of Fame in 2001. No score, let's go ahead here in our ball game. Move ahead to further action. Top of the fourth is when we finally got some scoring. After Greg Vaughn popped out to second base, Ken Caminiti beating out a single to deep short. Tony Gwynn would be retired, but then how about Chris Gomez? Socks a two-run home run right down the left field line, turning on a fastball from Guzman. A 2-0 lead for San Diego. Joe Carter right back, though, in the bottom of the fourth inning. A solo home run, that one to left field, and he's certainly been known to do that at Sky Dome, that home run to left field. But that's all they would get, a mild threat. Candy Maldonado, Devon White both reached base, but they would be stranded. It was a 2-1 game at the end of four, and in fact at the end of five. So let's go to the top of the sixth inning. Greg Vaughn at the plate, he takes strike one from Juan Guzman. Vaughn brought in at the trade deadline in 96, Actually did very little that year. 97 wasn't great either. 216 batting average. But 1998, well up to 272, 50 home runs. Was almost dealt to the Yankees this past offseason for Kenny Rogers. The Yankees killed the deal when Vaughn failed the Yankees physical. 
pitch is cut on and missed. It's nothing in two. Big downtown cut there from Greg Vaughn. Power versus power facing Guzman. Vaughn, the longtime Milwaukee Brewer, future Devil Ray Red and Colorado Rocky, Sacramento native like Larry Boa and Dusty Baker, among others. 355 career home runs, but no real Hall of Fame consideration because his career batting average just 242. Here's the pitch. Called third strike on the outside corner. Guzman actually took something off that. And maybe Vaughn was only going to be hunting fastballs there. He takes strike three called, and it brings up Ken Caminiti. 2-1 lead for the Padres here in the top of the sixth. And Caminiti, a guy with a big home run total for his career, 239 of them, clumped mostly in these mid to late 1990s. Former Astro, later a Ranger, an Astro again, an Atlanta Brave. Six full seasons in Houston, Caminiti traded to the Padres after 94 in a 12-player deal. Strike one call to him now at the knees. Steve Finley in that deal. Andujar Cedeno. Oh, boy, who else? Ricky Gutierrez, Doug Rocale, Phil Plantier. Pitch is in there for a strike. So it's nothing in two. But the guy that was NL MVP in 96, but you know, that torn rotator cuff finally caught up with him from that season. It's been a bad back this season. And of course, a tragic end for Caminiti. He swings and fouls one here right at the plate, still nothing in two. 2004, as I'm sure you know, Ken Caminiti will OD on a combination of heroin and cocaine. He was gone at the age of just 41. And media coverage of Ken Caminiti's death was almost completely overshadowed by that of actor Christopher Reeve. He died the same day. Funeral services were attended by so many Padres players, past and present. And his ashes were spread out at the ranch that he co-owned with his Houston teammate Craig Biggio in Sabinal, Texas. Pitch on the way. Swing and a missed strike three. Two out in the inning. And we'll see if Tony Gwynn can get something started now. Tony Gwynn at 38 years old. A 321 batting average despite the bad Achilles tendon this year. 505 trips to the plate. He struck out 18 times. Left-hand batter using a 30 and a half ounce bat. That's got to be one of the lightest weight bats in the majors since Joe Morgan hung it up. Morgan used a 30 ouncer when he was part of the big red machine in Cincinnati. Pitch to Gwynn is fouled straight back, nothing in one. Tony Gwynn, a bat artisan. Best bat he ever had. He called seven grains of pain from the Louisville Slugger factory. He cracked it in spring training a year after it had been so good to him. And Tony Gwynn, the kind of guy that can go 50 games, 100 games in between having to use a new bat. Only one three-strikeout game in his career. That was against Bob Welch, who passed away exactly a week before Tony did years later. Pitch to Tony Gwynn is low. It's one and one. 98 Padres ahead here in Toronto, two to one. Tony Gwynn played his college ball at San Diego State, the baseball field there now named for him. He would coach there. 
He was a star of the Aztecs basketball team while in college, drafted by the then San Diego Clippers. Swings and rolls, one foul here up near third, just staying alive, it's one and two. And what a great two-strike hitter. Last five years, the average batting average with a two-strike count is 185. Tony Gwynn, how about 333? Roberto Alomar is a pretty good two-strike hitter, too, but no one can do it like Tony Gwynn. Best way to put it, I think, Padres have an all-time team batting average of 250 in about 50 years of play. Without Tony Gwynn, it would be 247. Next delivery, fouled again, up near third, still one and two. He battles here, he really does. His uh, previous season, 1997, 651 plate appearances. He never once struck out on three pitches. He doesn't strike out much at all, as we mentioned. Number of two strikeout games in his career is 33, including the one three strikeout game that we mentioned against Bob Welch. Next delivery. Rolled on the ground in a left field, and that is a base hit. Just a vintage Tony Gwynn single to left. That 5.5 hole right in between the third baseman and shortstop. Here is the shortstop Chris Gomez coming up. And he's already banked that two-run home run earlier in this game. Regular season, he had a big two-run double, the key to come back against the Dodgers. And I think clinched the NL West. Padres were down 7-0 in that game, but they won it anyway in front of a huge crowd. And they kept on winning until they got knocked out in the World Series. Pitch on the way, it's low for ball one. Guzman, very reasonable pitch count here. Doesn't really seem to be tiring at all. Facing Gomez, who's an LA native, played at Long Beach State. Former Tiger, briefly a Blue Jay as well. Have a nice little 16 year major league career. Right-hand batter wearing number 10. He takes a fastball, apparently just a bit outside. It's 2-0. You know, you think about Padres shortstops, and of course they had Ozzie Smith. They didn't think he'd ever hit, so they traded him straight up for Gary Templeton. The first San Diego shortstop couldn't hit at all, Jose Arcia. They traded Pat Dobson for Enzo Hernandez because they needed a shortstop. Pitches a strike to Gomez at the knees, two and one. Pat Dobson, by the way, fun little note on him, may he rest in peace. He was a Padre only in 1970, but had the great year for the Orioles in 71. In 72, Dobson was an all-star in Baltimore. Had 13 complete games, 2.65 ERA, right? Pitched about 270 innings, just a spectacular season. But he led the major leagues in losses with 18. The year before, he had eight losses all year with a, a much higher ERA. In 72, the lower ERA, 18 losses instead of eight. And baseball is a bizarre game sometimes. Here's the pitch. Swing high fly ball. Has he done it again? Deep to left it goes. This ball is gone. Wow, Chris Gomez. Speaking of bizarre, four home runs all season for Chris Gomez. But two here at Sky Dome tonight off Guzman. It is a 4-1 game now. And checking the stats, in real life, two career home runs at Sky Dome in 311 at-bats for Gomez. 
but two in three at-bats tonight against Guzman. Only twice in a 16-year career did this man have a two-home run game, but he's done it here at Sky Dome, a place he'll call home in 2004. But wow, he's made this place his home tonight. In fact, he's put his feet right up on the furniture. Here's Steve Finley who takes outside. It's 1-0, 33-year-old left-hand batter. Well, there have been some unlikely three homer in a game guys I can recall, most notably Freddie the Flea Potek at Fenway in a 20-2 game that his Angels won rather convincingly. Potek's career high in home runs for a season had been six. He hit three up over the monster in that game. Pitch to Finley, a strike, it's one and one. Well, Dan Johnson will have a three home run game. Bobby Estelea in 1997, a three home run game. Darnell Coles had a three-home run game twice, including once for these Blue Jays in 94. He was six for his last 50 heading into that game, then hit three home runs against the Twins at the Metrodome. Again, baseball is bizarre. Pitch to Finley. High fly center field, not too deep. Devon White coming in, and he's got it to retire the side. But a pair of two-run homers in this game for Chris Gomez. That makes it a 4-1 game going to the bottom of the sixth. And we'll tell you in the bottom of the sixth there was an answer because once again, Joe Carter came up and blasted one out. This one actually to right center, not to left. But how about that? It is now a 4-2 game. It's two homers for Joe Carter, solo, two two-run shots for Gomez, the shortstop for San Diego. 4-2 all the way into the bottom of the ninth inning. And, of course, Trevor Hoffman on the pitch. Manny Lee frozen on strike three. Alomar draws a walk, though, so maybe something can get moving. John Olerud, however, swings and misses at a changeup strike three. It's up to Dave Winfield. He's a tying man, and he indeed will drive it deep to left, but no Joe Carter moment, not even a Chris Gomez moment. Catch made just shy of the warning track, and that is your ball game. That's it for the 92 Blue Jays. They're eliminated. Four runs. Eight hits, no errors for the 98 Padres. Two 10-0 for the Blue Jays in a battle of home runs. Two guys each hit two home runs, but the Chris Gomez home runs stand up. And congrats to the 1998 San Diego Padres. They will move ahead to, as we say, further action. They stay alive. How about that? A 12 seed going forward. Next week, it's a five seed against a four seed in the throwback league. 97 Marlins, 99 Yankees at Yankee Stadium up in the Bronx. Bobby Pania can literally show you the Bronx in that game. We look forward to that. And if you want to check this wacky box score, feel free. It lives at thethrowbackleague.com. You can get all the podcasts there. All the box scores peak at the brackets as well. That's how you know what's coming up and what's already happened. And you can chart us on Twitter as well. We are at the throwback LG. This is Josh Lewin. Really appreciate you listening and downloading and subscribing and giving us a nice review. Appreciate you telling your friends about the Throwback League. Until next time, once again, the final here north of the border. It was 98 Padres 4, the 92 Blue Jays 2.